as we were fellowshipping yesterday, we were, you know, imagine you were alive in the day that Jesus walked on the earth. Think about that. And then Jesus is saying, I, I am the Christ. I am the Son of God. The Father is in me. God is my Father. I mean, uh, he's basically saying that this year that you see now is God in the flesh. And, and then you would like, Ish, have you gone crazy or what? I mean, what are you thinking? Again, from our point of view, it's easy. But in that day, that was not a very easy thing to accept and believe, right? So, but it is a crucial point to believe, right? So, remember, Isaiah chapter 7 said, uh, The Lord shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, right? And then the book of Luke said, uh, said that the angel went to Mary and told her and said that the power of the highest shall come upon you, shall overshadow you, and you will conceive. And that thing, that holy thing that shall be conceived in you or born of you shall be called son of the highest. So if you say you are son, it means, it means that you are not born, you are not you came from God. You are born of God, right? Even though you have flesh, but you came from another world. You are born from above, as in John chapter 3, where Jesus said, except you be born again. The word again means from above, not from beneath, right? And if you are not born from above, then, then Jesus would say to you, you are from beneath, but I am from above. Right? So there's that difference. So wherever, wherever we, we um, look at this word and we can understand that God is in the flesh, manifested, revealed, it was a mystery, it was hidden, then, then we know that God in the flesh is Jesus Christ. Okay? But now it goes on and says, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. Right, So the Antichrist spirit denies, does not want to accept, does not want to agree with this idea that God was in the flesh through, the, through Jesus Christ. Okay, Jesus the Christ, which you have heard was coming and, he, and is now already in the world. So the spirit is already at work. All right? So let's read verses 4. What's it? Verses, which one did we read now? Verses 3. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, where you have heard that it should come and even now already is in the world. So, then look at verse 4. Look what he says. You are of God. Why would he say that? Because remember Jesus said that if you believe in me, right, 
and you believe that Jesus is the Christ, that God can dwell in flesh, then in that belief, when, that, when you have that belief, then what happens is I move into you. So then you are also of the one from whom I come. Right? I gi uh, give you an example. Just hold there. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse and verses 11. Hebrews chapter 2 and verses 11. Look what it says here. For both he that sanctifies, who's, who's the one that sanctifies us? Christ. Jesus Christ. He sanctified us by his blood and so on. And they who are sanctified, whose who's are those that are being sanctified? Us. Are all of one. So we all come from God, the Father, right? For which cause he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Why? Because we come from the same Father. So he's not ashamed to call them brothers. Verses 12, saying, I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the church, I will sing praise unto you. Then let's read, skip quickly verse 14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. So he also came in flesh, right? That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil, right? So, so you can see he, the reason he came in the flesh right, is so that he could also go to the cross, then prepare a place for us so that we, right, could be in them and they in us. So we would be their house, right, so he would dwell in us and we would also dwell in him, right, okay? And so the reason for that, so the reason for him being in the flesh is so that he could make a way for us, that he could also be in us. That's why, back to 1 John chapter 4 and verses 4, he says, you are of God. So if you cannot accept the fact that God was in the flesh in Jesus Christ, then how are you going to accept the truth that he can live in you? Right? How are you going to accept, agree, and confess? Because the word confess means to agree. So when you sing the song, I am a son of God, right? You are confessing. You are, you are saying, I agree with that. But what does that mean? That means that I am born of God. God is my father. I come from him. You are of God. And therefore, he dwells in me, and I dwell in him. Right? Okay? Now, look what it says. Verse 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Right? Okay. So again, you can see how crucial it is to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, 
God in the flesh, Emmanuel, God dwelling with us right here. So while Jesus walked with his disciples, they were witnessing God in the flesh. That's what they were doing. They were witnessing. They saw him. They beheld him. They, they saw what he did and that he was here. The reason in the Old Testament that they had a tabernacle was for the, for the tangibleness of God to be amongst his people. God with his people. Because as we know, the scriptures say that God is omnipresent. It means he's everywhere. The psalmist says, if I make my bed in hell, you are there. Right? If I go to the highest heaven or the lowest places, you are there. So there's no way, you cannot go where he is not. But in presence, in tangibleness, in, in experience, in place of dwelling, it is here in the tabernacle. And then he shifted from the, that physical tabernacle and he moved to the body where he always wanted to be. He always wanted to be. That's why when, Ad, when he formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, what did he do? He breathed. Why? Because he made the body for him. The body was always for him. Right? And he was for the body. But there is a scripture like that. If you want to read, let's go to 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. You can see it. Chapter 6, verses 13. Okay? 1 Corinthians says, Foods for the stomach, and the stomach for foods. Okay? So the one is for the other, and the other is for the other one. My stomach is for food. But the food is also for my stomach. Right? God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. So when he took, when he came in Genesis chapter 2 and he formed man out of the dust, he was making this body of flesh and bone so that he could live in it. He wanted a body. And he made the body for him. That's why the body was always meant to be the temple, the dwelling, the place. So the reason in the Old Testament why people went to the temple is because that's where they could meet God tangibly. Because in the Holy of Holies was the Shekinah, the glory, the presence, right? So the temple is the meeting place. The temple is the place you engage with God, right? But now he moved from that place to us because our bodies were always meant to be the house of God, the dwelling of God, right? And in him dwelling in us, we would dwell in him and this is why I say no you must not have the desire to leave your body because um, in trying to leave your body to have a heavenly experience no you can't leave your body to have a heavenly experience you must 
have the heavenly experience within your body. That's where you experience it, within your body. So, uh, so sometimes these things that people, they want to teach you, no, we're going to teach you how to go to heaven and visit the Father and, you know, that type of thing. No, no. We, we don't teach you those type of things because that's not what they taught because he, he didn't so much want you to be there. He wanted to be in you. He created the body. He made the body for it to be his dwelling, right? His dwelling, right? So in that sense, that's why the Bible would say um, he will never leave you nor forsake you. Because he lives in you. You go to work, he's in you. You go to sleep, he's in you. You wake up, he's in you. Go to toilet, he's in you, right? You go visit somebody, he's in you. Wherever you are, he's in you, right? He's with you. He has never left you. He, it is also for you, Emmanuel. God with us. God with me, right? And we must... Live in that consciousness, right? And therefore, even poverty, poverty, we, even Jesus broke the spiritual state of poverty that we were in. Because that longing for something that you don't know, that hunger and thirst to satisfy something that you cannot understand, that you are looking and searching for, he is the one that dealt with that poverty. He who eats this bread shall never hunger again, he said. Hunger is poverty, right? But if you eat this bread, he said, I am the true bread that came down from heaven, right? So when we, when we understand this, we will, we will step out or leave this mentality of, of a spiritual poverty that we con always are living in. You know, like, like, for example, prayers like this, Lord, I hunger for you. Okay? Now, you can hunger for him, but what is your mind? Your mind is, is fair. He's far. Right? Lord, I need more of you. Why? Because you feel empty. Right? That is a spiritual poverty that I have realized that has come upon the church because we have not understood that he is in me and I am in him. And he, when he came in, he brought fullness. So I am not... I am not lacking in that sense. I have all that I need. And that's why many scriptures will speak in that way. And so it is the finding that life and that fullness is not finding it in, in like, I'm going to church. You can't find that fullness in going to a building. You've got to find that fullness in the person Christ. And that person is also within his people okay so if we continue reading here in first john chapter 4 
verses 6. It says, we are of God. He who knows God hears us, can accept this, will, will, will say amen, will confess the same, will agree with it. Right? He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Right? So wherever, wherever people cannot accept the, the, the truth that God dwelt in flesh in the person of Jesus Christ, right? And that he can also dwell in us. Right? Then that is the spirit of error. Right? Because if God can dwell in flesh through Jesus Christ, then he can also dwell in us. And if you, if you cannot accept the fact that you are sons of God, God is your father, then you are under the influence of the Antichrist spirit because the Antichrist spirit seeks to deny that. Right? Seeks to deny that. Right? So he says, he that denies the son denies the father also. If you don't have the son, you don't have the father. It is impossible to have the one with, without the other. They come together in us, right? Okay? Are you all with me? So le let's go to 1 John or chapter 4, verse 15. Verse 15. Now these scriptures are important because what do you want to do? You want to believe that he's in you. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the son of God. See, Jesus always points, the name Jesus firstly points to the man that was in flesh. The human, this that you see. He had flesh and bone, flesh and blood like us. This is what you see. You see he had eyes like you. He, he, he was a child. He grew up, right? Okay? Are you all with me? So Jesus, but this Jesus is the son of God. In other words, he came from God, right? And God dwells in him and he in God. Can you see? If you can believe that Jesus is the son of God, then God dwells in you. Right? So God dwells in him and he in God. So you start first with Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. In believing that, then now he no longer only dwells in Jesus, but he also dwells in you. Because he moves to that place. Okay? So chapter 5 and verses 1 of 1 John. Whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is what? Is born of God. Little children, you are of God. So if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, then you are born of God. And everyone that loves him, that is begotten of him who begot, also loves him who is begotten of him. Basically, you love your brothers and your sisters. Okay? In simple words. Verses 16 of chapter 5. 
So, you know, let's not read verse 16. Verses 10. He that believes on the Son of God has the witness in himself. He that believes not God has made him a liar because he believes not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record, verse 11, that God has given to us eternal life and this life is in his Son. So you can see how crucial it is for God to say, you have to believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of the living God, because in doing that, you receive eternal life. And that life is in the Son. Verse 12, he that has the Son has life. I say it again. He that has the Son has life. And he that has not the Son of God does not have life. Verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. See, why is he writing these things? He's trying to bring you to a place where you know that you have eternal life. Right? There are sometimes when you ask, when you ask, a believer and you say, if you die today, will you be in heaven? Then they say, I don't know. You, can't, you shouldn't answer like that. That shouldn't be your answer. Your answer should be, I have already passed over from death to life. I live forever. To die is just to be with him. Forever. It should be like a conviction inside of you. You should know. You should know I already have passed over from death to life because I believed that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And therefore, in believing, I have received life and that life is in the Son because the Son has moved into me. But when the Son came, the Father came with him. But how do they dwell in me? By the Spirit that he gave to us. Right? So what has happened? The Spirit came and the Son came through the Spirit and the, and the Father came through the Son. And that is Christ. Christ dwelling in us. Christ in you. The hope of glory. Right? That is why you don't need an anointed preacher to pray sometimes for your problems. Why? Because Christ is in you right he is in you so he's writing these things because he wants the children of God to be to come under the conviction to be sure to have the assurance to have the faith to be rooted grounded in the faith right firm in the faith in what that when they believed in the name of the son of God they did receive eternal life and, they, and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God, right? So that life is in him. And then verse 14 says, and this is the confidence. The confidence, the boldness. Why? Because I know I have moved to him. I was once far off. 
as the book of Ephesians says, but you who have now believed have been brought near. You are so close, you are one with him. You are one. You are inseparable. He is with you, right? He is in you. He never leaves you. He never forsakes you. You, while you are having your worst nightmare, while you are going through your darkest period of your life, God is with you. But because your focus is so much on the darkest moment and you are not focusing on the one that is with you, you can never live in the reality of what is available. So if you read on, if you read, go back a little bit. He says, he says here in verses 4 of chapter 5, of the same chapter, right? He says there, okay, still saying, and whatsoever is born of God. Who is born of God? Who's born of God? My God, talk to me. Who's born of God? Yes, right? Overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Even our faith. What faith? Verse 5. Who is he that overcomes the world? But he that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Why? Because the same power that gave him, the same life that gave him victory, is the same life that was now transferred into you. He lives in you. Right? He dwells with you. You are never alone. So your focus is what, is what causes you to either live in the reality or not. Right? That's why uh, the chapter that Cynthia read in John chapter 14, it's, it talks about I'm going away and I'm coming and when I go away, you cannot come now. But afterwards, when I've gone, you will come back to I will come back and I will take you to where I am. Where are you going? No, I'm going to the Father. No one can come unto the Father except through me. And I will take you to where I am. I am in the Father. The Father is in me. But what I want is that you would also be in me and the Father in you. We would be one, right? That is what he wanted. But... For this to happen, for the Son to be in you and the Father to be in you and you to be in Him, then He changes the conversation. He says, I'm going away and I must go away and it is to your benefit that I go away because if I don't go away, the Spirit will not come. <laughs> and it's called the Spirit of truth. Truth means reality. The real substance of the thing. So if you are not living in the reality yet, then there is somewhere where you're missing. And he says, this spirit of truth will guide you into all truth or into the things that I've said to you. Or the spirit will guide you into the reality of these things. So I want to be in you and you to be in me and my father to be in you. But to make that a reality... The spirit must come because he is the spirit of reality, of truth. He will make this that I'm telling you now a reality for you. 
That's why the book of 1 John will now say, How do you know that he is with you? By the spirit that he has given to you. He, the spirit, brings us to this reality. So don't take it lightly, your obedience to the Holy Spirit. You quench the spirit, you, qu- you are hindering the ability to live in the reality. Because he is the one that causes you to live in the reality of the things that Jesus said. Therefore, when he comes, he comes like a dove. He's not a dove, but the dove is a very sensitive bird. You need to treat the Holy Spirit with respect in your life. You need to make sure that the way that you live, uh, you know, accommodates him. Right? It's, it's not because he is the one that makes us live in that reality. Without him, we cannot access or live in the things that we hear. So we need, that's why the Bible talks about the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I must go away. If I don't go away, he will not come. Right? But if he comes, he is the spirit of truth. He brings you into this reality. Okay? So, and when he comes, he brings you into this reality But you have believed that Jesus is the Son of God. You have overcome the world. And your faith is what gives you the victory. What faith? This that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because you are automatically saying that God then also dwells in me. And I in him. I have been made more than a conqueror. But my focus, if my focus is so on the problem and the situation and all the negative things, and I don't focus on the one that is in me, if I don't focus on the reality that is within me, if I don't focus on the truth that I am born of God, that there is life in me, that I am righteous in Him, Right? These things, if I don't focus on that, then what happens is I cannot live in the reality of the things that they are. He who minds the things of the Spirit has life and peace, but he who has a carnal mind or who thinks carnally, right, has death, even if he is born of God. Death there is not you dying. Death is depression. Death is worry. It's, it all falls under the, the shadow of death. The Bible talks about the shadow of death. It means that you, you are experiencing things related to that. All right? So unless you have your focus um, correct, then you cannot live in the reality of the things that was done for you. This is why John chapter 15 verse 1, it says, I am the vine, right, and you are the branches. Then he says, if any branch in me. So are they in him? He doesn't deny that the branch is, he doesn't say the branch isn't in me. He says the branch is in me, but he says it bears no fruit. 
You can have God in you and you're not bearing fruit. You can have the sun in you and not bear fruit. You can have the spirit in you and you're not bearing the fruit because you have not abide. He says, if you abide in me. That means if you focus, if you renew your mind, if you retrain yourself, if you repent, if you change the way you think and you develop your faith in the reality of what you have received. Right? Then you will bear fruit. Then he says, if, if, if a branch in me does not bear fruit, he says he takes it away. It doesn't mean he throws it away. It means he, that word take away means he lifts it out of the dust, out of the mud. He lifts it. That's what he does. So that it can bear fruit. Right? So it's possible to have it. So just maybe because you are not bearing fruit and not seeing the fruit that you would like to see, that does not say that is not in you. But we need to start with the faith. The faith is, is in me. How do I know? How do I know these things? How did it happen? How did these things come to be so? Right? Are you all with me? Right? So let, let's go to John chapter, chapter 5. Sorry, not John chapter 5, John 20, verses 30. This is the one that you, that you, um, that I shared last week. So how did he make you an overcomer? By just coming to live in you. Why? Because you are connected, you, are, you have the source for living a victorious life. But poverty makes you think you are an empty vessel. Jesus, give me more of you. If you want more, you are saying, I want more to flow out. It is not as if I am an empty vessel. Right? And that is where we are defeated because religion makes us think we don't have. Religion makes us think that we are so empty that we need to beg God for more. But where Jesus came to take that away. Are you all with me? Right? And your faith is key. Right? So this verse says, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. So he did signs. He healed. He turned water into wine. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He did many different signs, right? And even after his resurrection, he, he also did. And, he, and which are not written in this book, verse 31. But why did he do them? But these are written about what? The signs. That you may believe that Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. And that believing you may have life in his name. In believing that, life has been transferred to you. Right? Put to you. Given to you. It's in you. Right? It's... And... And the life 
is what makes you shine. That's what John chapter 1 says. It says, in him was life. Right? It says, and he is the life. And he is the life of men. And he that has his life lightens every man. The life is what makes you shine. And that life is in your spirit. In your spirit. It is there. And that believing you may have life in his name. Okay, so let's read John chapter 1. So now he's saying the whole book of John is written for this reason. The book of John was written so that you could simply believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And in believing that, you will have life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is not when you die. That is the moment you believe you have received everlasting life. At that very moment you have already passed over from death to life. You are already living forever to Die is just to be with the Lord. Right? He said, he who eats from this bread shall have everlasting life. Right? Okay? So John chapter 1 verses 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word was God. Verses 14. Why is the book of John written? So that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Which means what? God came in the flesh. That's what it means. So what does verse 14 say? And the word. What word? The word that was God became flesh. Who is he? Jesus the Christ. And the word that became flesh did what? Dwelt among us. Emmanuel. Emmanuel is God with us. What does that mean? God became flesh. And if you want to find the one, the God that became flesh, you have to believe in who? The name Jesus, the Christ, Son of the living God. He dwelt among us. He walked with his disciples. Think about that. God in the flesh, 12 disciples with him, and while they are walking, they are looking at God in the flesh Oh, what a... You understand? That's why I got to give you the scriptures because I can't just say it. Because I let, let the scripture speak for itself. Read it. That word, the word that was God, became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus the Christ, son of the living God. 
And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, not the begotten of a man, of the Father, full of grace and truth. So God in flesh was full of grace. What is grace? Grace is the substance of God, right? It is not just the unmerited favor, but the substance, this essence of who God is, the substance of God is given to us un, in an unmerited way, undeserved way, unworking for it way. Then verse 16. And of his... You see, if you can believe that the word became flesh and dwelt among us and his name is Jesus the Christ, son of the living God, what happens is of that fullness you have received. What is he talking about? He's talking about Christ in you. He's talking about himself in you. He's talking about I came for this reason. I came, not only that I may, that I may redeem you. You see, it, 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 he had to go to the cross, die for us, shed his blood for our sins so that he could bring us back to his purpose. That's why the Bible says you were saved according to his grace, according to his purpose and grace. So the reason for dying is so that he could bring us back to purpose. I want my body back because the body is for me and I am for the body. But I want my body back. And the reason I am in the body is so that I could have sons, right? And make those, and those sons can make me visible, right? They will be the one. They will now be God displayed in the flesh. That's what it means. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let God be in the flesh. Let God be seen in the flesh, right? By living in his people. By living in them. And so, of his fullness have we received? Yes. So when I believe that, then he comes into me. He that believes that Jesus is the son of God, God dwells in him and he dwells in God. So you have received. Okay? You have received. Now, what does that? It takes faith. What is faith? Faith is believing in something that you cannot see. Right? But is a reality within you. Okay? So let's go to John chapter 4 and verses 6. So repeatedly, Jesus is giving us this concept repeatedly, over and over, over and over. I mean, we're reading now. John chapter 4, but in John chapter 2, they showed him the temple. And they said, do you see this temple? Wow, it took many years to build and how magnificent it is. And then, and then he almost went into the temple, da 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 da, the latet khal and so on. And then, and then they said, what sign do you give us doing all this stuff? And then he said, listen, I will destroy this temple. In three days. And in three days I will raise it up again. So how are you going to do that? This thing took years to build. 
and you're going to break it down and then rebuild it in three days? He said, no. The Bible says he was talking about his body. In other words, right now, God is in me, but I am going to go away. And the going away is going to the cross so that I could raise up my body. And then I will dwell in them. I am going to move from the physical building to the, to the flesh of people, my body. It was always the home that I wanted. That's why resurrection, resurrection is, is, is such an important hope for us. Because Jesus did not only die that you could be born again in your spirit and your soul can be changed, your thinking, your emotions and so on. But he also died for the body. Because when Adam sinned, he fell. How did he fall? You know, we always talk about the fall of man, the fall of man. I mean, he was, he was on the ground, and when he sinned, we said he fell. He was still standing. You understand? He didn't fall over. He didn't fall from the sky. But what he did was, from that place where he was living from, he fell from. He fell you know, a simple way is like Superman losing his powers. That's falling. Right? It's him thinking he can still use his powers and then there's nothing. What's wrong? It's a fall. Right? And so when, when they fell, instead of living forever, they're dying. Became sick and all these things. But resurrection is the deliverance of your body so that God can dwell so tangibly in you forever. Right? That is the fullness of sonship. That's what the Bible calls the manifestation of the sons of God. The adoption that we are waiting for. The fullness, the redemption, the Bible says, of your body. That is called the adoption. Even though we are sons, but in that sense, we still need to be, be adopted. Have in the Adoption there is just enter into the fullness. That's why we have to talk about the resurrection. We must. We must, right? So, in John chapter 4 and verse 6, right, it says here, Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Right? Then comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. So this, in many sense, sometimes in the church, we are like this woman, the, the Samaritan woman. We, if you read later on, she, she came with a water pot. Right? Because she came to draw water from a well. So, because we don't have a well, we always need to drink from someone else. So that's why in, in some cases, people need to go to a meeting to experience God. Because they can't experience God at home. So, let, let me even say this. So, if you cannot experience God at home, his presence, something's missing in you. 
Because to believe in Him is to have Himself transferred to you. That means if you go at home and spend time with Him, His presence must be there. You should be able to experience His presence. Because that is what He did. Right? Now, it goes on here. So this woman, he says, give me to drink because she is thirsty. She needs, um, he's also wearied by his journey, but he's using his journey now to lead her into a conversation that he wants to have with her because he wants to convey a truth to us. Okay? So now he has this conversation. Now look at this. Verses 9. As they have this conversation, then says the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that you being a Jew ask drink of me who am a woman of Samaria for the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Now, why is that significant? Because why was the book of John written? That we may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So, did she recognize the Son? No. Said, you're a Jew. She saw him in the flesh. It's not enough to believe that Jesus was a Jew. Okay? Or, as in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus said, who do people say I am? Some said, no, you are John the Baptist. Others say, no, you are Elijah. Another say, you are Jeremiah. Another say, you are one of the prophets. Um, you see, but that is still not viewing him in reality who he is. Right? Because to say he is a prophet, you can say he is one sent by God. You can say he is one anointed by God. To do a work. But to go further than that and say you are the son. That is to say this is God now here. Right? So the, he's, take, he's leading her into a progressive understanding of who he is. He's journeying her to a place. He's leading her to a place to understand who is talking to you. That's what he wants her to see. He wants her to know that this Jew, Jesus, that's standing in front of you, is who? Christ, the Son. Right? So, what does she see? She's first as he's a Jew. I, we don't mix. Right? We don't mix. We don't, we don't fellowship with one another. So, how can you be asking me for something? Right? Uh, let's read verse 10. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God, if you knew what he wanted to give you, and who it is that says to you, give, give me, give me to drink, you would have asked of him, and he would have given you living water. You see, you can say he's a Jew and so on, and, uh, and you can say he's a prophet, so in some religions, they will say, no, Jesus is not the Son of God. We believe that God sent him. We believe that he's a prophet, a man anointed of God, and God used him powerfully. We recognize that. But we can't go further than that. We can't say that he's the Son of God. We can't say that he's the Christ, God in flesh. We cannot. 
right? We can't go that far. So, yeah, but now he's trying to get her to a place to see. Sight. Perceive. Perception. Understanding. The eye of your understanding enlightened, right? Verse 11, the woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then will you have this living, living, life-giving water, right? Okay, let's just skip the long conversation, go verse 14. Then Jesus says, but whosoever drinks of this water that I shall give him shall never thirst again. You drinking alcohol because you're thirsty. You are in addictions because you are thirsty. You are looking for something to satisfy something in you that you can't explain. That is longing for something. You can't explain it. He says, but if you drink of what I give you, I will break that. I will break that dependency. Right? So then he says, but the water that I will give him shall be where? Where will it be? You see, what is he, what is he trying to do? He's trying to get her to see who he is because if she knows who it is and she believes in him, then there will be a well in her that is Christ in you and then you will drink from the well inside of you. You go home, drink from Christ in you. Right? That's why when the Bible says, when the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, I know I'm giving a lot of scriptures, but I, I got to build it. I got to establish it. Right? I got to establish it. I've, I've, I, you know, especially if we live streaming and things like that, we gotta build it. We believe in what the word says, right? I'm not giving you my theory, I'm not giving you my opinion, I'm giving you what the word says, right? If the word offends you, then wrestle with the word, not with me, right? He, this, he says, it shall be in you a well spring up with everlasting. So that's why in Colossians chapter 3, it's, it says, and you are dead and your life is hid in Christ. I explained to you before and I explained to you again. And I remind you that when he says your life is hidden in Christ, it's not talking about your past life. It's not talking about all the sins you did in the past. It's not talking about all the mistakes you made in the past. It's not talking about that. He's saying the life that you are looking for is in Christ. If you are dead in him, how must you live? Live by life. Who is he? Christ. He who has the son has life. The life that you are looking for is not in a ritual. The life that you are looking for is in a person. If you drink from this, if you understand, if you come by belief, by revelation, if you place a demand upon the Holy Spirit for sight, 
He says, when you drink, you will never thirst again. But how often, Lord, we thirst. Lord, we are hungry. Jesus said, if you eat this bread, you will never hunger again. And you will never thirst again. But we are so constantly driven by a poverty mindset we don't have. Pastor, but for me. Pastor, do this. Pastor, do that. Because we feel like we're so empty. We feel like we have nothing. And religion has made you think that you are nothing. Religion has made you a beggar. Right? But there is no life in a practice, in a religion. There's no life in coming to the building. The life is in a person. And wherever he distributes that life from his people. The river that flows out from people. So the whole reason we want the life to flow. Because is while, while somebody is still in a, a babe in Christ. And doesn't understand what he has in Christ. He needs a flow from outside to help his soul for renewing, for transformation, so that he could believe in the reality of what is in him. So while he's not able to tap into access by faith into the reality that's already within him, he needs a flow from his brother. He needs grace that flows freely from his sister, from the preacher, from the body of Christ, so that in the flow, he is edified, up, built up into the substance that remains in him. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So the joint makes us a ply, right? But his goal was that he would be in you. And preachers that constantly want you to come for a prayer, line and all they do is never teach you what you have in you but constantly want to make you dependent upon their prayers and their anointing leaves you in a state of poverty but you need to realize what you have in him the doctrine of Christ is him saying, I have enriched you. That you may come to know the, the mystery, right? The riches of the glory of this mystery, the riches. Do you see that? Riches. Colossians 1.27, that you may come to know the mystery of the riches or the riches of the glory of this mystery, the riches, the wealth, the abundant supply, the wealth, the riches of what? Of Christ in you. So why have a poverty mindset? You see, he came and dealt with things, right? So, become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. This well inside of you can feed the very, the very 
thing that you are struggling with and you're using alcohol to feed that pain. To get over it. You're using drugs to get over it. But this water can feed, heal, spring up, deal with it. So that you don't need drugs. Right? So, now verses, verses, fifth, verses 16. I'm just skipping for time's sake. Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come here. So now he's, he's changing now the conversation. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, You have well said, I have no husband. And then verse 18, For you have had five husbands, and he whom you now have is not your husband, and in that you said truly. Verse 19, The woman said unto him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. She shifts from the Jew to the prophet. Jesus, a Jew. No, 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 no. We shouldn't be talking to each other. Oh, but you're a prophet. Okay, okay. This changes the story. The prophet. You're a prophet now. We must now listen. The prophet is here. Because this man just told me something. I have five husbands. How do you know that? Huh? And the one that I have now is not even mine. How? I perceive you are a prophet. You are a man of God. A sent one. Da, 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 da. Right? Okay? So she has upgraded in her perception of Jesus. Right? He's leading her somewhere. Right? So they have this conversation on worship and the time and the hour comes and you know you won't go to Jerusalem to worship God and but they that worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth because why because they will be the house and so on then verse 25 read this now now it's just, the woman said to him I know that the Messiah is coming who is called Christ When he comes, he will tell us all things. So first the Jew, then the prophet. Now they're talking about Christ. Who will Christ be? The Son of God. Emmanuel. God in the flesh. The word that became flesh. The one who came down, descended into our same type of body and lived among us. We are waiting for him. We are waiting for him to come. Right? And then, verse 26, he hits her. He says, Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. This Jesus is the Christ that you've been waiting for. And in believing in me, if you knew who it was that was asking you to drink, then you would have asked of me and I would have given you something that would never make you thirst again. Will never, go you, will never let you go back to drugs. It will never let you go back to alcohol. It will never let you be addicted to people. It will never let you feel empty. If you knew 
if you knew, if you upgrade. That's why it's so important, brothers and sisters, to understand that God, that Jesus is Christ. God is able to dwell in a body. And he therefore is able to dwell in us by his spirit. We are not empty. We are not empty vessels. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? He said, I that speak to you am he. John chapter 9, the man born blind. What does he do? He heals, heals the man. After a while, they kick him out. The Pharisees, they had enough of him. They kick him out. Jesus comes to him and says, he comes to the blind man that he healed and he says, do you believe in the Son of God? It's John chapter 9 now. I say, who's he? That I can believe in him. He said, you are looking at him. These things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. I am he. Do you believe? Very well I say unto you, if you believe, he that believes in me, right, I will live in them. Tell the person next to you, he's banayo. Ask them, do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? I hope you say, I hope you confess. <laughs> he will never leave you. Nor forsake you. And then he goes on to say, For the Lord is our helper. From where? From within. But when you pray in your darkest moment, you go down on your knees and you say, Jesus, help me. You quote in the Psalms, Lord, send help from your sanctuary. But he's in you. That's why the Bible says that the Spirit will strengthen you. In your inner man. The help comes from inside. And this is where the, it changes the game. Brothers and sisters, this is why the Bible says, Though I'm in the flesh experiencing suffering, my inward man just gets stronger and stronger. The life of God is made more manifest in me. Because if I understand that I am loaded, loaded with life, loaded with God, do you understand? The death can only work life in me. Do you understand? But because we focus too much on the death, we focus too much on the pain, but we don't lift up our eyes and say, Father, I thank you that you have never left me. I feel the pain. I feel the hurt. I feel the burden. I feel the challenges. But you are in me. I am able to overcome. I bless you. I glorify you. You have never left me alone. You will feel the life of God. You will feel it. You are never alone. 
But what happens is, is because we are not so aware, conscious of this, the first thing we need to do when we are in a deep hurt place, Vasi bottle. You understand? Where's the drugs? Right? Where is the, the, the suppressor of my feelings and emotions that I'm having on the inside? And instead of going to the source, the water on the inside, we, because we are not aware of him, because we are not conscious of him, because we don't know that he lives in us, we know it in knowledge, but we have not trained ourselves. We have not renewed ourselves in this thinking. Therefore, the first option is to look for something that can suppress the feelings, that can take away what I'm experiencing. So I need to keep myself busy and happy, but I'm not happy. Because joy comes from him. Joy comes from him. Just bow your head. Father, I am in pain. But give me the life that is inside of me. Just bow it. That's all you need to do. He said, and he was, I'm right here. I have never left you. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going and so on. And he says, and you will leave me and I will be alone. But I am not alone because the Father is always with me. Though men may forsake you, he is with you. We're going to partake of the communion. The communion. These emblems are telling you that he distributed himself. That's what those things are doing. Over and over, he's trying to tell you, I came to you. I'm coming to you. I'm coming. The hour has now arrived. I must go. So that I can come. For this purpose I came. I came that I may come. To you. The bread that he broke. He said I am the bread. He that eats his bread. He was the bread. That they took. Broke. Distributed. Right. Let's stand. And we. And just come forward and start to of the communion and I want you to just go and pray with someone I like doing this I do it so often maybe you think I'm unnecessary or I'm a tradition or something the reason I do it is because the Bible said do this as often as you can in other words we are to remind each other of what he did. Pray with someone recognizing that the life of God is in you. Christ dwells inside of you.